Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for September 6, 2022. Recession fears can greatly impact investments, so it makes sense that financial markets are focused today on when and if a recession might occur. Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady joins us today to offer his thoughts. First, Bill, does the fact that the U.S. stock market held up pretty well for much of August suggest that we are not currently in a recession? Well, yes and no. How's that for a two-handed economist answer? In general, equities do tend to lead the economy. That's why they're a component of the uh, conference board's leading indicators. But to quote a famous line from Paul Samuelson, who said in the 1960s, the stock market has predicted nine of the past five recessions. Pullbacks in equities don't always coincide with recessions. However, we have noted that during periods of low inflation, equity declines tend to be more affiliated with recessions. Now, earlier this year, we had a 20% pullback in the major equity indices and there was much talk about the U.S. already being in recession. Now, that doesn't seem to be the case, but I suspect that this idea was due to the market's decline. It's also worth noting that equities tend to rally before the recession's end. For example, in the 2007 recession, which ended in June of 2009, equities bottomed in March of that year. At the same time, it's not unusual at all for rallies to occur during recessions. We don't think we're in recession now but the rally in stocks isn't necessarily why we don't think that's true. Instead, we look at the continued strength of the labor markets and the Chicago uh, Federal Reserve's National Activity Index, which both suggest we're not in recession at present. One so-called rule bill suggesting a recession has begun has been met, two straight quarters of negative GDP growth. Why might this rule be considered perhaps a slippery one? Well, you know, as well as rules go, it's not a bad one. Every time that it has occurred, a recession has been in place, but recessions have also occurred without this event. It's also important to remember that GDP data gets revised years after the fact, and given how modest the declines were, it's quite possible that when the data are revisited, we won't have two consecutive quarters of of negative GDP growth. I've heard it argued that the main reason for the recent negative GDP is simply a drawdown of inventories, and that suggests a recession is not imminent. What do you think of this argument? Well, there's a calculation that is called final sales of domestic product that looks at GDP, but it excludes the change in private inventories. In Q1, the annualized change was negative, but not so in Q2. Rebuilding inventories adds to growth, but negative readings in this indicator are common in recessions. So no, just saying this is all inventories doesn't really mean much. Well, of course, we're not officially in a recession because there's a group called the National Bureau of Economic Research, which must declare it first. And this might not happen until months after a recovery is underway. So what value is this declaration or the absence of one for investors? Well, for investors in real time, it's not much value. The NBER declaration confirms a recession occurs, which is a little bit like having a wet weather rock to tell you that it rained. Here's the value of their work. Once a recession is declared, we can use it to demark how markets behave. We can trace how equities, interest rates, commodities, and other markets act. In general, we have enough information where we can sort of figure out when the recession is in place, and once we have that estimate, then we can use that estimate in time to compare how markets are doing in relation to earlier recessions. 
Bill, you argue there's plenty of evidence to suggest a recession is on the way. What is the most compelling? Well, by far, the yield curve data gives us the most confidence that a recession is coming. But it's not the only thing. Thomas Walsh's business cycle report, which he updates every month, gives us about a three to six month lead when the recession is about to occur. His index isn't signaling a recession now, but the direction of travel suggests it's just a matter of time. You mentioned earlier the continued strength in labor markets. Doesn't this argue uh, pretty strongly against a recession in spite of the inverted yield curve? Well, it does, but it's also the case that labor markets tend to be more coincident than leading. The other item we're watching is that the pandemic accelerated changes to the labor market where retirements increased and immigration fell, which could leave the labor markets relatively unscathed in this downturn. You know, in the past, we had jobless recoveries. This could be a layoff-free recession. What other evidence backs up your finding that a recession is likely? Well, there are a few. I mentioned Thomas's business cycle report, which is not in recession yet, but looks likely to signal one in the near future. There are a number of proprietary services we subscribe to that are also warning a recession is likely, but are protected by copyright. Bill, what's your main guess as to the timing of a recession? Well, a late Q4, a Christmas recession is possible, but I am more leaning toward mid first quarter of next year as the most likely time frame. Fed Chairman Powell said during his Jackson Hole speech that the Fed's determination to bring down inflation will likely cause pain in the economy. And the stock market had a swift negative reaction to that speech. Do you think Powell's speech makes a recession more probable? Yes. Financial markets have become accustomed to rapid reversals of tightening cycles, and the financial markets had discounted something similar. Powell indicated that markets should not rely on that outcome this time around. We do note that those rapid reversals are usually caused by a financial crisis. We have documented before that the Fed has lost control of financial conditions. Until 1998, Fed funds and measures of financial stress were highly correlated, but since then, the policy rate and financial stress measures have become virtually independent. We think there are two factors that are behind this breakdown. First, increased transparency. As the Fed has become more transparent in its policy goals, financial markets were able to discount actions more easily, reducing their effectiveness in changing financial conditions. Second, 1998 marked the passage of the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, which ended the division between commercial and investment banks. This law saw the rise of shadow banking, which provides financial services through repo and derivatives. It's very efficient, but brittle. And so when something breaks, it tends to break hard and force the Fed to ease aggressively. Powell made a promise here. Uh, We'll have to see if he keeps it if there is a financial crisis. And what type of recession right now appears most probable, a deep one or a more moderate and short-lived one? Well, most recessions are not deep ones. So we always assume a mild one until proven otherwise. Deep ones tend to coincide with either geopolitical events or financial market issues. There are ample possibilities for a geopolitical event to cause a deep downturn. So far, financial stress has remained low, but in the past, financial conditions can worsen rapidly. It's worth considering that the great financial crisis recession in 2007 to 2009 started as a mild one. In fact, it was so mild that there was a raging debate as to whether or not we were even in a recession, or at least until Lehman Brothers failed, which caused a ripple effect of defaults and asset runs that led to a crash. Bill, do you think the stock market has already discounted a mild recession? 
Well, that argument's been circulating, but I think that probably isn't the case. The 20% drop we saw earlier this year was, in my opinion, a resetting of markets to tighter monetary policy. The equity market had benefited from the massive liquidity injections tied to the pandemic, and as it is withdrawn, equities should fall. But I think the decline was unrelated to the potential for recession. You mentioned, Bill, extreme geopolitical events, how they can lead to a deep recession. At Confluence Investment Management, you do pay a lot of attention to geopolitics. Can you characterize the risk today of an extreme geopolitical event compared to times in the past? Well, the risks are very high at this point. Probably the best way to think about geopolitical risks is that it rises when you don't have a functioning hedgeman. One of the benefits of a functioning hedgeman is that it reduces geopolitical risk, and as the United States steps back from the world, the likelihood of unexpected bad things happening goes up. Do recessions always coincide with weaker equity markets? No, but it's pretty rare that equities don't decline. The The one that sticks out is the 1945 recession, which was not at all apparent in equity behavior, but that recession was really caused by the adjustment to peacetime. Thank you, Bill. We want to remind our listeners on a programming note that due to vacations and business travel, there will be no podcast next week. We will return on September 19th. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.